name is Stephen Bashong. I'm associate editor at Solar Power World magazine, and this is Solar Speaks Live, powered by Unirac. I'm here today with Roan Resch, the CEO and president of the Solar Energy Industries Association, otherwise known as SIA. Roan, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Stephen, thanks for having me. My pleasure. You got it. So we'll get to the priorities of SIA in just a moment. Fair but first, I want to know a little bit more about you. Okay. You're kind of a mystery man. <laughs> Can we keep it that way, Stephen? Uh, I, I don't want to. All right, fair enough. I don't want to. What do you want to know? I want to know where you grew up and what you were into. Uh, I grew up in a small town in Connecticut. Uh, there was a pretty big family, five kids. We spent a lot of time uh, outdoors, hiking, camping, fishing, that sort of thing. So I was a fourth of five kids. So uh, just fending for yourself was kind of a big part of my childhood growing up. Uh, but also being in the environment, right? Being outside and really having and developing an appreciation for you know, the natural world and, and, and ultimately uh, some of the things that were going on. And as I was a kid, you really started to see kind of the beginning of uh, the first original environmental movement in this country. So I was really, really young, but even in kindergarten, I ended up, my, my, one of my most proud little plaques I have, it said class environmentalist kindergarten when I was a kid growing up. So I was very much kind of into the environment, environmental okay. protection at that time. And you still do some fishing. I met one of your friends <laughs> last night at our uh, Top Solar Contractors Gala, and he said to ask you about fishing. Oh, good. Well, depends which one. Some of them, <laughs> some of them we do well, some of them we don't do so well. Uh, no, I love fishing. I love being out in the water, love, you know, uh, uh, taking a free moment with some buddies and, uh, and seeing what's underneath the water. There's some pretty amazing uh, opportunities just to, to cast a rod in and, uh, and spend some time in the water. Very good. Well, do you remember moving into solar maybe a little bit? Sure. Do you remember the first time you ever paid attention to a solar array? Solar array. Um, you know, I think the first solar that I ever really saw was actually solar hot water. Okay. Um, you know, so in the 70s and early 80s, there was a tax credit for solar, but PV was, you know, a very expensive product at the time. So I think my first exposure really was to solar hot water with neighbors. One of my uncles ended up putting solar hot water on. We lobbied my dad to do it and never quite did. Um, and then, you know, the PV, I think my, my first PV array experience, so to speak, was actually one of the places I go fishing. It was, uh, was out in Block Island. Okay. And uh, there's a post office there, and they're one of the first commercial installations in the country. This post office wow. actually on Block Island. Do you and, know when that was? Uh, uh, when was it? Uh, I think it was early 80s. Okay. Yeah, it must have been early 80s when they did the installation when I saw it. And I was just like, what is that? You know, and it's a little bit of magic the first time you see it. And the second time, and the yeah, third yeah, time. Yeah. So it was pretty impressive. And that's around the time, right, that the White House got uh, solar thermal, right? That's right. Uh, so, so those are PV panels on the, on the post office in Block Island. Okay. Uh, but solar thermal, they went solar thermal in like 78, 79. Okay. And then they were taken down in the early 80s, unfortunately. When did you decide you wanted to get into politics? Well, you know, <laughs> I think it's always been a little bit in my blood. You know, I mean, my, okay. my family comes from a, a long line of actually uh, ministers, New England ministers. Okay. So kind of fire and brimstone kind of ministers who ended up being a big part of the community. And um, you know, so all through grade school and high school and even college and grad school, being part of, of student government was always pretty important to me. Okay. Um, but I think you know, when I came down to Washington after grad school, it became pretty clear that you could have a big impact on the environment by kind of working within the system. Working mm -hmm. at the first, I came down to work at the EPA under Clinton, 
um, and then to work with the energy industry overall. And so I think politics, so to speak, became a big part of just the way you do business. It doesn't matter if you're in the business sector, if you're actually in government and politics or all, you know, or even just in life. And so I think it just became part of, you know, how do you survive in a family of five kids? You know, you got to talk your way out of a lot of, a lot of beatings when you're a little kid, right, but, right. but ultimately it's a good way of getting things done. Curious, did you fall into environmental policy, solar, that kind of thing? Or was it something that you chose? You said you started at the EPA. Yeah, no, I, it, I chose it by design when I was much, much okay. younger. Um, in the sense of, uh, I went and got a degree in environmental engineering and a master's degree of public administration. And so at least my formal education was very much focused in how do we address climate change? How do we address some of the air issues specifically? And looking at the energy industry as a vehicle for doing so. The problem okay. when I came to Washington, there really weren't any jobs in Seoul. Uh, there weren't many jobs in even wind or any of the renewables. And so a lot of it had to start off working in groups like the EPA and then mm -hmm. eventually uh, coming over to see it. Um, well, thank you for sharing some background sure. on you. Happy to. I don't know many people who know that. So uh, uh, we're coming into a very critical time right now for the solar industry, uh, with the ITC set to be reduced or eliminated in some cases. Um, we know there are various campaigns to extend the ITC. You talked a little bit about that last night. Why do you feel the ITC is necessary for the industry? Well, let me be very clear first. There is one central industry campaign, okay? We've organized it through SIA. Um, it's focused on extending the ITC and modifying it so that it provides commenced construction, which means you would qualify for the tax credit if you have at least begun construction of your project before the date of the tax credit expiring. So that's kind of the first piece. The second is... Wait, what, what qualifies as beginning construction? Uh, where you have spent 5% of the overall project costs or have started to move dirt effectively. And it's got to be continuous from that point forward. So we had experience with that in the 1603B program, uh, the Treasury Grant program, and uh, the wind industry now has a commenced construction provision. So we've got very clear direction from the IRS as to what would uh, qualify as commenced construction mm -hmm. for projects. But the point being is a lot of utility scale projects today have already run out of the ITC, meaning they're not going to be able to bring their projects online by the end of 2016. Why? Right? Well, it takes a long time to site, permit, um, finance, and then construct these projects, especially the large scale ones. Right. So we're going to go through that pipeline pretty quickly, but the new projects are going to be very difficult to finance at this point. Not impossible, but difficult. So they're already running into that deadline. Wow. Commence construction, changing the tax code just slightly, would really give them an incredible opportunity to continue to grow. Uh, but to go back to your question, um, which was why do we need it? Yeah. Today, the, the Bloomberg New Energy Finance came out with a study that shows the impact if the tax credit expires. And specifically, um, we would lose 80,000 jobs in the solar industry. So just to remind you, Stephen, we have 175,000 jobs today. 80,000 of those would be lost in 2017 if the tax credit were to expire. We would also see a drop off in the market of eight gigawatts. So we'd go from a high of maybe 10 to 12 gigawatts in 2016, and then we'd see an eight gigawatt drop off. So more than two thirds of the market would disappear from the solar industry in that first year. We've made such incredible strides as an industry to scale up, to lower our costs, and perhaps most importantly, to be a large scale carbon free industry that it's essential that we continue to grow and build out solar. If we want to be serious as a country about reducing our carbon emissions and, and being aggressive in addressing climate change, we need to make sure solar continues to grow at historic levels, which as you know is you know, over 70% per year. 
So those uh, figures you cited would mean that uh, maybe half of the people that are here today might not be here. Well, here at SPI, that's right. might not be here in future years. Yeah, unfortunately that's the case. I mean, I, I know people don't want to hear that, but that's exactly what's happened in the wind industry. It's exactly what's happened in other industries where you have a policy that changes that dramatically in such a short period of time. So we're really trying to get the industry educated on the importance of the ITC, but the impact that it will have if it does expire and get people engaged and frankly activated. So you're known for having your finger on the pulse of Washington, yes. So what's your take on the likelihood of an extension for the ITC? Um, I actually think we have a very, very good chance of extending the ITC. It may not play out as, as cleanly as everybody would like. Um, there is a tax extenders bill that's come out of the Senate Finance Committee. We're not in it in large part because they're only dealing with those tax credits that have already expired. Hmm. We don't expire till the end of So Congress is basically saying, hey, hold on, Solar, you're in good shape compared to a lot of other industries who've already lost their tax credit. Uh, but I don't see the tax extenders going forward in, in you know, uh, a typical format. I think what you're going to find is that the government's going to, uh, excuse me, Congress is going to have a difficult time funding uh, the government. They're going to pass a CR. They're going to have to deal with the debt ceiling. They're going to have to deal with transportation and tax extenders. A whole lot of different bills that will come together in late November, early December. And that's an opportunity, I think, for us to include uh, an ITC extension for a couple of years and commence construction of that provision. Let me be very clear. We're pushing for a five-year extension. Um, but I think within the structure of Congress today and the dysfunction that's happening in Washington, um, we're more, more likely to see something shorter. That's November and December of this year? That's correct. Final question. We've already talked a little bit about what would happen if the uh, ITC is yeah. not extended. With that in mind, uh, if every solar installer in the country did one thing to support the solar industry, and that's all they did from now on, what would you ask them to do? Well, if, if I talked to my treasurer, he'd say, ask them to join SIA, uh, which, which is a really good answer. But I think the most important thing that they could do is really get involved in the political process. This isn't about SIA, this is about the industry. And what we need are companies to call their congressmen, companies to invite their senators out to ribbon cuttings or to the factory, to develop a personal relationship between them as a constituent and their elected officials, so that they know that solar exists in their district, that exists in their state, that you're employing 10, 50, 100 people, and that it's important that the policies are extended, that the congressmen are held accountable for extending these policies. And so if there's one thing that I would ask every company involved in the solar industry to do today, is to pick up the phone, call your congressman today, tell them to support an extension of the ITC, and then call that person back every single week until they do and make sure they're invited out to your office to your ribbon cuttings and get engaged in the process you're pretty well experienced with congress so what's your best bit of advice for dealing with legislators i think the thing to remember especially for any any you know business owners in this country is those congressmen are working for you they're your elected official okay, okay. you don't need to be afraid when you talk to them you can make a direct ask at the end of the day, they need to get reelected in order to continue to doing what they're doing. So they should be supporting their constituents. But it's important that they hear from their constituents. So when addressing a congressman, be polite, be forthright, but tell them about your business and tell them what you need in order to continue to grow. Plain right. as that. Well, we got the uh, political and personal side of President and CEO of SIA, Roan Resch. I'm Stephen Bashong, Associate Editor at Solar Power World. This has been Solar Speaks Live, powered by Unirac. Thank you. Thanks, Steve.